Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. We've got lots to get to. We'll get into the Frozen Frenzy, the 16 games last night. But when you've got a buddy that writes a book, and i got a bunch of them. I just, had Todd Ehrlich, I just read Todd Ehrlich's book on the top 20 moments in New York sports history. And, of course, Kenny Albert's got his book. But I was really looking forward to this one from Rick Carpinello. Covered the Rangers for 40 years for the Journal News, for The Athletic, for MSG Network. And he wrote a book, The Franchise, a curated history of the New York Rangers. And he's such a great writer and such a great friend. I wanted to have him on to promote the book. He's Rick Carpinello. Rick, Don LaGreca, how are you, buddy? Thanks for giving us a couple of minutes, man. This should be fun. I'm doing great, Don, and thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, I totally miss being around you guys all the time. Uh, yeah. Although I do, I do see you in my living room every afternoon, but uh, <laughs> I do miss being around. You know, the, Rick is one of those guys, and I and I hope uh, I at least this is how I feel about you. Hopefully, you agree. Is that you're just one of those guys that I would always look to to see how you felt about what was going on in the game. Like, I, I'd have my opinion on that first period, and we sometimes it would just be a look. <laughs> I'd come out of the booth, we'd kind of look at each other, and be like, yeah, yeah, no, they, they need to play better, all right? Yeah, it just, uh, and then you always had your thing on social media, so, uh, you, you know, first period, like, what do you think? Uh, I've always felt yeah. that, not that you were opinionated you just you just had a feel for the game and it was interesting reading the book that when you first started covering the team in 1979 it it wasn't necessarily your favorite sport it was something that it kind of grew with you right with with hockey that just the yeah, knowledge yeah. of it wasn't something that came with birth it was something that kind of grew as time went on right yeah for sure i mean i, I you know I, I was a fan of the of the teams in the early 70s um I kind of lost interest as I got later into high school, and uh, and then when they traded Vic Hadfield and and waved Eddie Jackman, I, lo- I I lost interest for a while. But um, mm-hmm. it's not to say that I wasn't a hockey fan growing up because I was. I played the game uh, uh, just in pickup uh, scenario, but uh, you know then all of a sudden I went from covering high school sports. Uh, on a huge break to, to cover the New York Rangers in 78-79 um, and, and certainly didn't plan on being a hockey writer my whole life much, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it grew and it, it became my life and uh, you know I did a lot of other things and I think I kind of talk about some of the funny stuff I did in other sports in the introduction um, you know and my experiences with baseball and football and, and other sports but you know hockey obviously took over my life and uh and, and i and i grew to love it again um and i do i still do i still watch the games all the time but you just had more of a more than a lot of other writers just a, a real feel for the game not just the score and all the basic stuff that we all watch but you really i got a sense that you really understood the ins and outs of the game who do you credit that to 
Well, thank you, first of all. Um, I think, you know, I think a lot of that starts with, um, with Herb Brooks because I spent so much time with him. He was such an available guy. And he taught me a lot of things about, um, you know, about the, the for, to start with, the areas between, you know, 10 feet inside each blue line and the entire neutral zone and how important that part of the ice was and how you can't turn pucks over in that portion of the ice. And if you do, here's the danger you're going to face. And, and those are the little things that I didn't, I hadn't a clue about. You know, I just thought they were going back and forth with no, you know, no plan whatsoever. It was just a matter of who had more skill. And it wasn't that at all. And, and so starting with those conversations and then Roger Nielsen too, um, you know, I, I learned a lot from being allowed to spend time with those guys and for them to explain things to me uh, about what was going on in the game. And of course, you know, the player is Dave Maloney, who I think you know. And, yes. uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, the guy understands the game inside and out and can explain it inside and out. And, uh, you know, I guess spent a lot of time with him. So, um, you know, I think he's osmosis a lot. Um, but I also think, uh, you know, I, I like to think I'm a, an observant person and and I'm not just sitting there with my eyes open uh, watching a ping pong game with my eyes going back and forth. I'm, try, I'm trying to understand what I'm watching. Um and, and I'm not saying that I understand it to the level of those people, certainly not. Um, but, you know, I think I did learn quite a bit mm-hmm. along the way, and uh, and I tried to, you know, portray that in my writing. And the book starts where it started for you in that 78-79 season, which Ranger fans should always look to at a certain age of a run to the Stanley Cup final. and up one nothing against Montreal in that Stanley Cup final and the characters and the names, you know, Phil Esposito and as you said, Dave, yeah. you know, Maloney, Ron Greshner, John Davidson. Um just what a group to have to follow to start. And I and I just wonder, Rick, then continuing to be around the team and the fans for forty years, did you do you think as great as ninety four was did did it do a disservice to seventy nine? Is seventy nine not remembered as well as it should be? I think so. I think maybe so. Um, you know, I think that team was a little a little more of a fluke. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it wasn't a good team. It certainly was a good team. But you know, I don't think that was any by, at any point during the season. Somebody would say that's the best team in the league this year. Not you know, not close to that. Um, the Islanders were clearly the better team, and, and the Canadians were clearly the better team, and uh, so so I don't you know I don't think you get the credit along the lines of the of the ninety three ninety four team that that team was expected to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, seventy eight seventy nine team was probably not expected to even get to the semifinals, and and the win over the Islanders was epic. I mean that's that's the part that goes probably under appreciated. Is that six game uh, that six games win over the Islanders? That, that was the loudest I've ever heard Madison Square Garden uh, when that series ended. That was incredible, and throughout that series, just loud from start to finish. Um, and and that was you know when you look at what happened right after the Islanders won nineteen their next nineteen consecutive yeah. playoff series and four Stanley Cups. Uh, you know that was an achievement that certainly goes under the radar 
in, in my opinion. Uh, leading Montreal one nothing uh, and up two nothing in game two, you know that's <laughs> that's stuff when you start thinking about mythical. But you know they, they obviously uh, got their comeuppance from the Canadians who were the, the dynasty of the day, and uh, so so I don't think you know. Again, I don't. I don't think that team gets full credit for what it did, and and and, so, and I'll say this again, and I've said this a few times: no team has ever, ever, ever had more fun running through four rounds of playoffs than that team did. Uh, they enjoyed every moment of it, and probably to their detriment in the end. <laughs> for sure, and uh, all the, the just the stories about. How they and Dave's talked about it too. You know, they win game one, and there's a little bit of delay. Let's yeah. get out of Montreal. Let's not stay in this crazy town. But you said it just—it was just in their nature to take advantage of it. Maybe they would have lost anyway. I mean, this is the Canadians. They were in the midst of right. one of the greatest runs of all time, but they probably didn't do do any favors staying in in Montreal, downtown Montreal after the game one win. Right, and and they you know they were complaining first of all that Montreal had the the game switched from Saturday night to Sunday afternoon, which gave them the, the extra nights in Montreal. Uh, they thought the, the Canadians got favor from the league along those lines because the Canadians' previous series went seven games, and uh, they changed the schedule to favor the Canadians, the Rangers thought. And uh, and then, you know, then you get the... the then, then becomes the real crazy fun part where Scotty uh, Bowman decides to go away from Kenny Dryden, the Hall of Fame legend in goal, and go to back up Bunny LaRock. And then during warm-ups before game two, LaRock gets hit in the mask by Doug Reisbach's slap shot and gets knocked out cold. And uh, Dryden has to come back in. And so, you know, that that's all. And then the Rangers still led 2 nothing in, in that game. But... Uh, you know that's crazy stuff uh, right there, and, and stuff that made you start thinking. Wow, you know the, the Rangers could win this. Yeah, thing. but uh, of course, you know the, the Canadians' uh, skill and talent took over after that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And as you mentioned, you, you love other sports just besides hockey. And, and being a Met fan, I look at that 86 Mets team, and as much as I loved it and I love that season, I think what could have been. That team should have won way more than just the one championship they did. You feel the same way about yeah. the 94 Rangers? I do. Um, you know, they were long in the tooth to some degree, but the Meech, Richter, Graves, Kovalov, those guys were in at Zuba, those guys weren't, some of them weren't even near their primes yet. Um, you know, I thought that they, I thought that the, the, the lockout the following year really hurt them. I think that, uh, you know, there were, there were some steps along the way that hurt. Uh, they certainly eventually paid for the Amante trade, which helped them win the cup, but really cost them down the road. I think they paid for the, the Gleitner for Anderson trade. Um, which you know was made at the deadline in '94. 
I think that team could have. And, you know, they were they had all that upheaval with Keenan leaving right after the parade and and uh, a new coach coming in, then the lockout, then Messier's contract. And, you know, I think it was it was doomed. It was kind of doomed right from the start that that uh, their chance to win back-to-back and or multiples um, was kind of down the drain. Yeah, I also wonder often if they in 92 if they if they'd made the the Lindros trade if they were able to make that Lindros trade you know would they have won in 93 94 maybe not because of all the assets they would have had to give up mm-hmm. to, to get Eric Lindros but maybe down the road they would have won a couple more so you know there's a lot of what ifs around that team um, and one of my favorite or well, not favorite but but one of the things that always pops into my mind and I wrote about it a little bit in the book is what if they didn't win 93-94? You know, what if the Devils won game six or game seven? And what if Vancouver had won game seven? And easily, both, both all those things could have happened. Then you're looking at 0 for 83 and, and how differently you look at Mark Messier's uh-huh. tenure as a Ranger and how differently, you know, do, do Richter and Graves even get their numbers up in the ceiling? You know, certainly Leach does. But, you know, you look at how different that that whole scenario would have been and, and what kind of maybe what kind of regret they would all have had Neil Smith and Mike Keenan um, so, so there's a lot of what ifs on both sides of it but certainly they were built to possibly win one or two more and mm. they didn't do it No, and it, not only would they have not won like say if they had lost to the Devils in game seven yeah. you know now the devils probably get another cup so they'd have four the islanders right. would have four right. the rangers would be over right. 83 and it, it just you're right, right. It, it, you know ifs and buts and all that but that, that and that came close much like the 86 mets too as dominant as they were you know almost they would have lost game seven if scott would pitch if they didn't win game six and how close they came to losing to the red yeah. sox it, it's it's just yeah. crazy that uh how uh, the, the whole the whole world would have changed ranger wise if they had yeah, lost absolutely. that game and by the way, I think today's the anniversary of Mookie Wilson's ground ball, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yes, it is. But, uh, and I was and I was there for that series too, and that was that was nuts. And that was absolutely one of the craziest things I've ever seen. But uh, but you're right. I mean, it, it, there's there's a lot of similarities there. Um, and and the Mets, I think, more than the Rangers should have won more than one there with that team they had there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah <laughs> for sure. What is um. You know, you mentioned '79 when you started, and of course '94 was great. Post '94, what what are some of your favorite yeah. moments? Well, there was, you know, that <laughs> from '90 when the, from the moment they decided that Mark Messier was no longer going to be part of their team going forward, and they did in '90. That, you know, that was their plan '97, uh, from top management on down. Um, from that moment on, th- those were the dark ages. I mean. And and what stuns me to this day was ninety six ninety seven the Rangers went to the conference finals and they got squashed by Philadelphia and they were banged up when they played that series. But when you look at that, when you look at what happened thereafter, that was Mark Messier's last playoff game. Okay, yeah. he's still at, toward the end of his prime. That was Wayne Gretzky's last playoff game ever. That was Mike Lichter's last playoff game ever. Brian Leach's last playoff game as a Ranger. He played a couple later on. Adam Graves' last playoff game as a Ranger. <laughs> Just incredible. They, they never played, none of those guys ever played another playoff game as a Ranger. 
And, and Gretzky and Messier never, for anybody, played another playoff game. Just uh, tragic, really. And so I, I really call those the dark ages, what, what followed there, when they kind of tried to rebuild by spending money, uh, and they, when they went out and signed Theo Fleury and the other five free agents that year, and um, they were trying to buy a bridge to a rebuild that never actually happened and wasn't very successful. Uh, and then, you know, the, the coaching mistakes with John Muckler and uh, and then later on with Ron Lowe and Brian Trache. It was just uh, it was the dark ages, and uh, nobody could have foreseen it coming. And can you, and also, you know, just going back one step to the, what we were talking about a moment ago, can you imagine what the 1940 chance would be like right now if, if they still hadn't won? <laughs> they, they were bad 30 years ago. Uh, yeah, it would be so. But yeah, those years they were just flailing about, um, really changing directions every five seconds, uh, changing changing coaches, changing general managers, uh, and and just it got it went from worst to worst in no time. Um, and then of course there was there were the what seven years without a playoff and, and another lockout. Uh, and, and then they finally turned it around to some degree. Are you a believer, Rick? The lockout saved them. The, the salary cap forced them to to get away from the free spending and the the bad contracts and put them on the right path. Yeah, I, you know, I think it did to to a large degree. Um, you know, they still had their they still had their issues, uh, but, but you know, what, what saved them too was because of the cap. You're right. Because of the cap, they had to make moves like trading Scott Gomez, which turned out to be one of the greatest trades in history. Sure. When they got Ryan, they got Ryan McDonough, and then with the, month, the money they saved on, on Gomez's contract, they signed Marion Gabrick, and then with one of the players they got in the McDonough trade, they traded for Brandon Trust. And all of a sudden, you get a whole new look on, on the team. Um, and then, you know, and of course... They bring in John Tortorella, who's got a Stanley Cup under his belt, and he's not the most popular guy in the world, but can sure get guys to play and run through walls for him for a few years until, until it, the shelf life comes due. Um, but yeah, I think that, that that was a turning point. That certainly that, that lockout was a turning point. Well, where can they get the book? Well, you can get it anywhere you buy books. You know, if you go, it's in bookstores now everywhere. Um, you can get it at Barnes and Noble uh, online. You can get it at Amazon. You can go directly to Triumph Books, uh, Goodreads, any any place where you buy books. It's now available this week. I think it's in the stores already. And uh, it's just, uh, I'm really excited about this one because I've done, this is my third. And, uh, this is the first one that I'm really excited about that's really, I think, really done the right way. And uh, I'm just so thrilled to talk about it and, uh, and to, to have done this. I'm very proud of myself. And uh, it, I, I also probably could have written three times what I wrote. Right. <laughs> All the stories I had backed up in 43 years. But, yeah, that, that's, uh, it's, it's a really fun day for me. Well, I'll tell you, not because you're a friend, but it's the it's the truth. If you're out there listening and you say to yourself, I, I know the Rangers backwards and forwards. I don't need another book. Yes, you do, because 
it's Rick Carpinello who he, his fingerprints are all over this. Like I just love like little little things. Like you just throw. That's why you were a great read when you covered the team. Like you throw your personal opinion and you make it your own. Like when you talk about when the merger with the WHA came in and there were like questions about can this diminutive Wayne Gretzky who wasn't particularly the fastest player. He wasn't the biggest player. Is he going to be able to translate into the NHL? And you admit you were one of those people. They weren't sure, and you were, and you were dead wrong. Yeah. You throw that in to the sentence to let you know that hey, I'm I'm a fan too. I'm opinionated too. This isn't just a regurgitation of events that happened. You lived it. You had opinions at the time. You were right sometimes. You were wrong sometimes. You admit all that. You've got a, a flurry of quotes from Herb Brooks, which was, which was a quote machine. You got a chance to talk to the fog uh, of Freddie Shiro. So all of that is all in the book. So if you think you know the Rangers, or you think you know enough about the Rangers, get the book anyway. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Thank you so much, Don. I appreciate my kind words. Uh, I was wrong about Gretzky. I thought he was all hype. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but I was right sometimes, too. So uh, I appreciate you, the kind words, and I uh, appreciate you taking the time to have me on here. Of course. The franchise, the New York Rangers, a curated history of the original six franchise, the New York Rangers. Best of luck with the book, and I hope, I know you're retired now, but hopefully I'll, I'll see you down the road of the garden. We'll have a chance to talk some hockey. Hope so, Don, and I'll certainly see you this afternoon. I'm like you there. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. That's Rick Carpinello. Check out the book, and he's just, he's a gem. He really is. He would, and because of the relationship he had with that 78 79 team, and, and doing Ranger games is great because those guys are around. You know, obviously, um, some people have, have, have passed away. You know, uh, Carol Vanier is no longer with us, and and and, and such. And of course, Ron Gilbert was not on the '79 team, but you know he'd be around all the time. And I'd sit there with Ron Greshner and talk, and of course doing the games with Dave Maloney and you know Don Maloney sometimes with Calgary's in town or as the general manager of Arizona would come in, and just to hear their stories and get a chance to talk to them, just amazing. It's, it's such a privilege to be around. And Rick had a connection. He'd come into the booth during the intermission, talk to Dave, get some information. And Larry Brooks is like this, too. We're just kind of like, hey, listen, I know a lot about hockey, but I don't know it as well as the guys that played it. Let me get a little bit more information. And it was just a thing with Rick. Come at you. After a first period, you know, Rick would be walking by the booth. We'd just make eye contact like, eh, that wasn't a great period. Or, hey, look, they're on to something tonight. It's just, and all that, you get the feel of it in the book. So definitely check it out. He's, a, he's an absolute gem. I wanted to get into... Uh, the frozen frenzy and, and we had rick on so we took up a lot of time here we'll, we'll get more i think friday we'll be a little bit more interactive with the tweets and all that um to, to get your opinion on what happened last night i thought it was terrific now it's a lot it, it's it's sensory overload with all these games going on especially early uh, but i thought butcher grass and weeks did a terrific terrific job uh i thought the the nhl put its best foot forward as far as the games and you and no, you know no connor mcdavid but you saw a ton of goals scored a lot of great games a lot of games that came down to the end a couple of games in overtime i thought that that buffalo ottawa game you know talk about a game that probably wasn't on your radar going in and it wasn't on your radar for like 55 minutes of the game and then all of a sudden 5-1 becomes 5-4 and Ottawa's got a power play and and they almost came back and won that game and uh, I went 8 and 8 in my um my 16 leg parlay so unfortunately I didn't go 16 and 0 but maybe you made some money on some of the bets that I had 
Um, I took a flyer, literally on the Flyers, who had a 2-1 lead going to the third, but they blew it. So the Golden Knights are 7-0. and uh, The Avalanche now 6-0. and They put up a touchdown against the Islanders, and Rantanen scored, and McKinnon scored, and uh, I thought it was a couple of good wins for Winnipeg, as they now uh, have come wins off of, over the Oilers and the Blues back-to-back nights. They win 4-2. to two. How, how about this? Uh, Jack Hughes, four assists in the Devils win over the Montreal Canadiens last night. He's got 14 points in the first five games to start the season. That's the most that anybody's ever had in that short a period of time since Mario Lemieux had 17 for the Penguins back in the 92-93 beginning of the season. So, Connor, uh, for, so uh, Jack Hughes making a, a huge step forward uh, for the Devils. Uh, Bruins also undefeated. They had a 3 nothing win over Connor Bedard, who thought he scored a goal in the first period, but it was taken off the board because of offside. But that's the cool thing about the Frozen Frenzy. You're, you're kind of on top. It was easier to be on top of everything because everything was happening in fast motion. So we're going to do another one of these on Friday. I'd, I'd love to be able to get your reaction to the Frozen Frenzy at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, to see if you liked it. Uh, social media, people seem to really like it. Uh, Anthony, what did you think of it? I know you were embedded in what was going on last night. Did you enjoy uh, how uh, ESPN handled the Frozen Frenzy? Oh, yeah, I loved it. Um, I thought it was awesome. If you are a fan of hockey, like I am, and like you are, Don, and you do have a favorite team, but you just love watching the sport, uh, before the Ranger game, that was what I watched. Uh, I watched every goal. It was exciting. It, it, it made it feel like NFL Red Zone, yeah. which is something that everybody enjoys. And it, it's great for betting. It's great for keeping an eye on, you know, anytime goal scores, let's say. It, it was great. It was great. Yeah, and people were asking, like, why are you doing it on a Tuesday night and not a Saturday night? Well, there's obvious reasons. ESPN's invested in college football, and and it just made sense for it to be during the week. I guess they didn't catch that big of a break because there was a Game 7 in baseball. The hope was that if you were a hockey fan that maybe Philly would have won Game 6 and they would have kind of had the night to themselves with the exception of the couple of NBA games. But you know what? Baseball is a slower-type sport. You can flip around. I didn't see any of the ratings yet. We'll probably have them for you on Friday, but I'm sure that it was terrific, and it really was an opportunity um, for the NHL to kind of, in, in the landscape of the NFL and the baseball, playoffs and the NBA opening up sometimes you can kind of get uh, blanketed and kind of forgotten but that was a moment the NHL I thought owned the night it was a lot of fun and a great job and you know we'll see if they'll do it later in the season Uh, we'll see if it's something that becomes a yearly event question for you Don pretty cool yes Anthony do you think they need to have all the teams in action now this made it feel big of course but if there's a night where there's I don't know your standard seven eight games even if they don't stagger the starts because we have such a great team here at ESPN. You saw PK came in and made chicken parm with uh, Bucci and Weeks at the right. end of the night. Like, you could go into intermissions and have interviews. They had Gary Bettman on. Like, if there's intermissions over stacking, you could do this with eight or nine games. You could, but, but and I'm not saying that you shouldn't. And as EJ said back on Monday, you know, the NHL Network does that a lot, too. But I think to get all – it's still a regional sport, Anthony. Like, So what you want to do is you want to try to get all of the teams involved so all the fans feel like they're invested in the night. So, Because let's face it, the way the, way the sport – just even yourself. I mean, you're, you're a sick hockey fan, but you know if the Rangers weren't playing last night, a lot of Ranger fans might not have been invested in it at all. You know, So 
I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think there's something special about all 32 teams being involved. So all the fan bases are invested. So that's going to move the needle. And then you hope to be able to get other people uh, involved uh, that are maybe don't have a favorite team or hockey is not necessarily on their radar, but will be on a night like that because of the sheer volume of the games. So I, I think it's important. And, and, and listen, if you're going to have like 15, you don't want to leave anybody out, right? You want to make sure that everybody, you don't want to feel left out. I mean, it does come at the expense of the day before and the day after, right? We had, what, uh, two games on uh, Monday, and then tonight there's only one game, <laughs> the Devils and the Capitals. So I, I don't love that, uh, but what are you going to do? It was, it was such a great day. And, and listen, uh, for people that don't know what I do for a living every day, is I, I'm on the Michael K Show. And the you Michael are? K show had kevin weeks on you know we wouldn't have kevin weeks on on a tuesday in late october to promote the the slate of games but we did because it was the frozen frenzy it was something special so they kind of put their best foot forward out there last night and i thought it was pretty cool um other games of note rangers win their first two of this five game road trip they beat the flames three to one philip heedles got five assists in his last uh, two games which is excellent calgary Listen, they're missing Anderson because of the stupid penalty he committed. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. Oh, we did we, with with uh, EJ on Monday, leaving his feet, hitting Patrick Line late in the game that was already decided. He deserves probably more than four games. That team doesn't have a ton of talent right now, and you saw a couple of power play goals for the Rangers. They had a 2-1 lead. Then late in the second period, there's a 4-on-4. And you see the difference between the two teams, right? Because the Rangers, you know, for however you feel about them, they've got talented players. They've got Kreider, Zabanajad, Panarin, Hedl, Lafreniere, Kako, um, guys that can kind of fly, guys that can dangle. And, and you see that 4-on-4. Gustafson gets the goal. Hedl, again, five assists in the last two games. So Rangers kind of finding their sea legs here a little bit. I thought that was an interesting game. And as I said, the, the teams that are undefeated right now, so impressive. I guess nobody cares about Boston's start, right? I mean, they broke the record for points in a season, so um, what does that matter if they do it again? Although it still would be impressive if they did it again, considering uh, it's not exactly the same team as last year. But uh, to see what Colorado's doing, to see what the Vegas Golden Knights are doing, um, it's pretty special. There's a lot of really cool things that are going on in the National Hockey League, and I'm glad we are able to do the podcast. So buy Rick Carpinello's book. Thank you to him for having him on. Thanks to Anthony Pusick, as usual, as well. So, again, we weren't interactive today, but we will get to social media on Friday at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. We'll get caught up on everything that happened on uh, Tuesday with the Frozen Frenzy. Get you ready for the weekend. I'll have the call of the Rangers and Canucks on Saturday, so I'm looking forward to that. We will talk to you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.